Hey everyone, it's Sensei Victoria Woodfield here, your journey partner in business, welcoming you back to episode 90 of the Journeypreneur podcast. This is your source for channel holistic stress management techniques, guidance, inspiration, and motivation to stay on your path to rapid financial ascension and massive impact as a conscious entrepreneur. So I am super duper excited. I get to share with you another goddess friend of mine, Carla White, and she is the creator of the Gratitude app. You can find it at thegratitudeapp.com for your iPhone. So here's the thing. She and I met in the Two Comma Club coaching program this year with Russell Brunson. And from the minute that I met her, I was just like, oh my God, I love yeah right <laughs> feeling mutual yeah the energy is super high between the two of us and i'm just so happy that i get to share your light your story your brilliance with a few more people today carla thank you so much for being on the podcast uh anytime i get to grab a conversation with you it's a blessing man it's so awesome thank you yay so good so this Maybe the very first time that someone is encountering you or getting to to meet you, mm-hmm. and so of course I want to ask like, what do you do? Tell us about your work. But at the same time, I love to ask, what are the three things that you are known for? Could you tell us? Yeah, right. So you mentioned one, which is probably what I'm most known for is this app, uh, a hidden little fact about that is that when I released that app, that made me the first woman to launch an iPhone app. So let's get a high, yeah, diva high five, right? So, um, so, so yeah, I was like often the only skirt in the room. Um, I'm also known for, um, coaching people into their, their natural talents and helping them make money shamelessly, because there's always so much shame around making money and helping them step into what I call just their natural abundance, because gratitude is all about abundance and everybody has unlimited abundance. It's just that we've been brainwashed out of that abundance. Mm. And um, thirdly, what am I known for? I don't know if I'm really known for this, but um, it's another little feather in my hat that I don't uh, proclaim too much. I just shared it actually for the first time. And so many people were like, Oh, I had no idea. But, um, I actually used to live out of my car and I had an MBA. I had an MIS, uh, which is a master's in information. I had two years experience working for a Pentagon program. I mean, I had skills, I had everything. And yet I lived out of my car. Why? Because I didn't have the identity of somebody who was knocking it out of the park. I, um, I live small and, you know, just basically uh, a product of our culture. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, oh my goodness. Like what I love about what you just said right there is that this, this is a feather in your hat now. Like so (laughs) well bragged. That is so fabulous. Yeah. You know what? I'm here and these are the things that I've created, but also this is where I've come from. Like, thank you mm-hmm. for that. Um, and also 
the only skirt in the room. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's been a majority of my career. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about all these amazing women who are no longer falling for the crap anymore. Like the, the, the pettiness, you know, I don't know if you follow the man who has it all on Twitter. Have you heard of that Twitter handle? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh. It's like, I don't want read Twitter because it's so like riddled with politics, but that one is her, that one in Dolly Parton. <laughs> 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 one of my favorite people on Twitter. <laughs> And um, um, basically, the man who has it all is um, a spoof account, and it's twisting the gender role models around where it's all about the women, like it, they, they label him a male scientist, and you know, like I'm doing a, a, a report about men in history, and I'm looking for two examples because I can't find any. You know, they're just twisting <laughs> it all around, and I keep thinking they've ran out of material. They've, they've like hit every a false belief about women and capabilities. They've nailed it all, but yet they come up with new ones. And I'm like, yeah, it runs so deep in our culture. The ideas and beliefs like about women speaking out or having power or being knowledgeable. Like, you know, so many times I played small about being a business um, wizard, a business wizard, because I, I didn't like, I wasn't wearing the pants mm. basically. And because I wasn't wearing the pants, a lot of people were like in the room, not knowing my role, not knowing that I was a top exec. So I was a top exec for Microsoft and uh, NASA and for Pentagon. And these men in the room seeing me were like, go get a cup of coffee. Can mm. you go grab a notebook? Hey, we're going to have a major discussion here. You're going to have to step outside the room. I'm like, wait, what? And those, and here's the other, I mean, I don't want to go on a rant here already. Rant. Gate, really? But here's the truth of it all. When I was working for the Pentagon and you know, women were hired to tick a box. Let's just, they had to have so many women in minorities part of the program. And I was fresh out of college. My butt cheeks were a lot perkier and they were slapped a lot. <laughs> I reported it to HR and then they had me, HR had me go see a therapist who then said that I was asking for it. These are the, these are the ceilings that I, we are still dealing with women. These are things that are still happening out there. These are the things that I've had to deal with over and over and over again. And of course that's going to play in your subconscious. Like I was just fresh out of college. I was like a farm girl. I'm like, okay, maybe I was bringing that on. Maybe that was me. And those are messages we get over and over and over again to keep us playing small. And the truth of it is like, you bring a woman or a minority into the room and you're creating products like Hamilton. Yes. You know, I am the first woman to produce an iPhone app. And unfortunately, there's still like only a small fraction of women making apps. And I'm not talking about just sitting there doing the coding. I'm like, they're the idea generators. They're running the show. Mm -hmm. And there's so few women doing that. Yet most of the apps are being used by women. 
Yep. And so we need more women producing the ideas. It's not that we don't have a shortage of ideas. We have great ideas. It's running headlong into the fire while people are throwing tomatoes at you and you just got to go, is that the best you got? You know, I always think about that guy on Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan, when he was out in the storm holding onto the boat and he's going, God, is that the best you got? You're like, that's the attitude you need. Oh my God. <laughs> I am loving this head to toe. Oh my God. <sighs> power, power, power. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so my myself, um, because there were only like three roles for women in top exec jobs, it was pretty catty. Like there were some, because we knew like if one woman got a role, if they got that job, that meant nothing for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And so instead of raising each other up, we were knocking each other down. But when we raise each other up, when we're helping each other out, when we're, so my mission is to make a mil, a hundred mil, female millionaires that like when I tick that box, I'll feel really good about it. Not just because, hey, I want women buying more makeup and stuff. No. What I want is women funding other women in projects. I want women funding research. You know that most of the research done is based on what the billionaires want to have researched. They pick. They pick what's near and dear to their heart, and then they fund that. So Zuckerberg is picking this stuff. Mm. No, I don't know. I don't have a bean to pick with Zuckerberg, but wouldn't like i'd love to have more women up there picking these things that are super important amen yeah i mean if you've gotten a mammogram and you had to get one of these mammograms that go really deep into your tissue you realize that those machines were not made by women mm -hmm. they're so invasive so hurtful so awful the whole process and you're you, there has to like when you bring a woman into a room and decide something on that they're gonna see it differently they we see in different spectrums and so anyway that's a soapbox that's my soapbox i get on all the time uh, <laughs> i'm like getting hot now in a good way because what you're talking about is so on fire yeah so being able to 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 step out and let the tomatoes hit you like i oh man that's hard yeah yeah even against the programming right and then against the internal stories that we tell ourselves around it am i good enough am i smart enough and is it okay for me to speak now am i too much am i too sensitive <laughs> all of these internal stories that we used to beat ourselves up, let alone the tomatoes on the outside that are flying with like, how, where do you draw your fire from? Is it kind of just like a fuck you sort of thing going <laughs> for yourself or is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's tons of haters on the internet. And um, one of my favorite people on the internet is uh, juggling the Jenkins. She's a woman who she does these comedy roles. If you haven't checked her out, she's funny, but she really addresses mental wellness. And 
she, as funny and awesome and as wonderful as she is, gets a lot of hate. And so she does also videos on hate and uh, people pushing out hate. And there's a couple of things, a couple of angles to this. First off, and it's funny, I just did a podcast about, you know, dealing with bullies and narcissistic people. Um, the way somebody sees you is how they see themselves. Mm. It has nothing to do with you. It has some, everything to do with what they see in themselves. And you probably won't put a flashlight on some, some sort of wound they have that they don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. And that's not your problem. Now, if you're, I'm not advocating going around being a bully yourself, because if you're being a bully, then you are lacking your own self-worth. People who are bullies or narcissists lack their own self-worth. They act, lack their own love. And if you, if you, and, and some people are doormats and they lack love. Not everybody who lacks love, self-love is a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And if you're a narcissist or a doormat or some, you know, we are not taught how to understand our own value. We are taught that our value is based on a grade, a letter grade in school. So what letter grade did you get? Mm -hmm. Are you good in sports? Do you look good in these Jordache jeans or whatever's hot? Right? <laughs> I'm totally aging myself. <laughs> I love it. Calvin Klein. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I need to get some new jeans. <laughs> so do you look good? Like, is your hair right? Do you have this great, bright skin color? You know, all this. Bra size. This is how, do you have kids? Do you have a ring on your finger? Do you have a car? Do you have a jet? Do you have like, what do you possess on the outside that then dictates your worth on the inside? Mm -hmm. That's what we've been taught over and over and over again. Oh my goodness, you're worth it. Buy this. Oh my goodness, you're worth it. Buy it. Here's how you determine your self-worth. Nobody teaches anybody. This has never been taught. Okay. So what you do is you look at your ripple effect in life and what you're serving to other people. What do I mean by that? So it's scientifically proven that if you smile at somebody or hold a door open to somebody, just a small gesture like that has a ripple effect five people deep. So you hold the door open to one person, they feel good. Hey, dang, that felt good. So they are nice to the next person and that person is next to the nice, next and next and next, right? Now, we might see that first person say thank you, but we don't see number two, three, four. So we don't understand our impact of our gestures. So just like if you hold the door open, like if you give a finger to somebody or shout at somebody or say something mean, that has a ripple effect as well. Yep. And so you pick which ripple effect you want to create in the universe because it's all going to come back around because what you put out there is what's going to come back inside. It's not so much karma. It's just a mere reflection of what you have inside of you. So when you're determining your self-worth, whatever you're doing for your career. So I make this app and this app is downloaded by a person. They write down their gratitude. Maybe they're going through chemo and it makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. They're able to get through their chemo better. They're able to be with their kids longer. So that ripple effect helps the one person who's keeping the app, helps their children, helps their children's friends, helps their children's parents, 
Mm-hmm. And these people we don't see with our five senses, so we discount it. So when you're going through what you're creating, your product, whatever you're doing, go like 250 levels deep on what effect you're creating in the planet on other people around you. And that will just, like one person with exclamation marks and bullying or whatever, they don't know that worth. They don't know that ripple effect. They don't understand it. They are low, they're lowering their own self-worth. So number one, you can be like a tuning fork and you can get to that vibration. Mm. You can lower your vibration down to theirs because they're not going to raise all the way up to yours. It's impossible. You're going to meet somewhere in the middle. And this will happen with a bully, a relationship that's uneven, a boss, whatever it is. It's like a tuning fork. If, if, feel, if they're way on this lower level of energy, you're going to get sucked down into that mm-hmm. if you're around it all the time. Mm-hmm. So you got to protect your own energy. You got to know your own self-worth and stop letting it come from outside of you. Don't let what people say and project to you. That doesn't determine your self-worth. I get emails and letters and comments all the time that say, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And they feel great. That's the currency of my business. That's how I feel like I get paid. And yet there'll be one of them in there that just says, who are you to talk about this? Or my grandma can make a better app than this. Or, you know, like something like, you're so awful or something to that regard. And it will, it'll sting. It'll sting because your subconscious only wants to either take you to pleasure or away from pain. And because there's that pain there, it's going to go wah, wah, wah. And what we do is that one little speck in time, we take and we enlarge it. We explode it. Yeah, just like on your cell phone when you can make a picture bigger by just stretching it, we do that. We stretch it way out and it blankets everything, every next event. Think about it. Think about that one negative comment, how then you turn to the next person and how your energy is lower and you're affecting that person and that ripple effect. So, I mean, obviously people listening to this podcast are not the bullies. They're probably more like the doormats letting people, because they're so giving and compassionate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was too. That's why I lived out of my car. I'm like, I I don't need to get paid for this. I'll watch your kids for free. (laughs) I'll, I'll walk your dog. I'll do all this. I can't, you know, and really when you say no to money from somebody else, what you're telling them is that you don't believe that they have the opportunity to be worth it as well, Mm. that they have to lower themselves. They can only afford free. Now, I'm not saying you got to charge everybody like your neighbor for making them meals when they're deathly ill or anything like that. That's going to cost you 50 bucks. (laughs) Can you imagine showing up here? Here's your lasagna. But what I'm talking about is like, if you have a servant, if you have a gift, and here's the other thing. If you have a gift, you it's harder to charge for it because it comes so natural to you. And when it comes so natural and you didn't have to like bleed your eyes out to get it, it's second nature. You feel like, well, who am I to charge for this? Mm -hmm. To like 
pay out money, get all these degrees, and then I can charge people for this talent that I was naturally born with. Now, definitely nurture that talent any way you can and discover how to market it and sell it. But don't discount it just because it comes natural to you. What comes natural to you doesn't come natural to me and you're shortcutting the process for me and a learning curve. So I don't have to learn it myself. And that is a gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about here, Carla, is so powerful. This is essentially like a science of being able to understand self-worth, like at a very deep depth. And this is super powerful because for us as uh, conscious entrepreneurs or uh, on this podcast as we call us journeypreneurs as we proceed on our journey there's this relationship as entrepreneurs that we have signed up for with value and money that we've just committed to by by default by owning a business by by Mm -hmm. doing things in exchange for like having those transactional relationships money goes out and services commit like that sort of a thing. You mm-hmm. set up that paradigm, but then as the founder, right, or as the visionary, or as as the one who is in the business delivering the 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 vision and the um and the offerings, there's this proximity that we have to the value exchange. So how do how can I determine what value is being received if I'm the one giving it? Ah, well, right. what you're doing here, what I'm so like, I have to honor uh, you in the clarity that you just shared is like, no, 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 no. This, like, if you're looking at it just by your proximity, you're missing out on mm-hmm. the ripple effect, right? You're missing out on all of the stories that are going on inside. This is some really powerful stuff because it's a pitfall that so many of us as journeypreneurs fall into as we continue on on this path. We'll psych ourselves out of being able to um, serve at a greater level, understanding our own value. But this is an inner game. This is not just like market, it's not just market research or all of the external uh, things that you were listing. This is also an inner game. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, because once you get that inner game puzzle put together, like these are all the things that I'm solving for this other person, then you can work on that outer message. Then you're understanding what problems they're solving in their life at a deeper level than, hey, are you staying up at late in, at night about this? Do you have insomnia about this? That's so surface. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that... Um, People will believe that they have a problem when they don't have one. For example, uh, we're now at flu season, flu season, right? And I'm I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see because why is it that all of a sudden October hits and now it's the season for flus? It's like the season for products to sell. It's like Halloween, you got to sell more candy. Uh, colder weather, we got to sell more medicine. Yep. And so, so people get, get it in their, eye, in their head that they have these problems. 
And maybe your gift is to just let them realize that they don't have that problem at all. And you know how much, but, but you're like, how do I, how do I charge for that? How much are you saving them in a ripple effect because of that? Because they are no longer seeing their spouse as a problem. They're seeing their spouse as a blessing. That ripple effect goes way deep. Like you're saving them divorce uh, costs. You're saving them lawyer fees. You're saving their children from uh, going bouncing from home to home. And maybe finding comfort in soothing, self-medicating in drugs and alcohol. You're saving like generations and grandkids and all that other stuff, but you don't see that. All you're thinking of is, what do I charge per hour based on this? Because we have this dollar per hour idea that doesn't equate with what value are you giving them in like five levels deep? What is that that you receive, they're receiving from you? That is so good because that the main, like I, I've gone through this uh, money mindset kind of process over and over and over again, over, over the years for myself, having gone from being in an, uh, an employee paradigm, mm -hmm. working for others and like, okay, well, you know, I got a job $10 an hour. All right. I got one at 15. Okay. We're doing better now. Ooh, this time I'm making 30. Now I'm hot. Like, this is crazy because like, I've arrived <laughs> and I don't, I am not laughing at anyone who makes these dollars per hour. I have no, it's just the mindset. Yeah. It's behind it yeah it's, it's the mindset behind it where i i had no real um i and i'm putting this on me only me yep. mm -hmm. that i didn't really have a concept of what was the value that i was delivering i had a concept of what was the um how do you say uh, mold that i was filling that was a $30 per hour preset mold according to that company's definition. Whereas now when I get between 500 and a thousand an hour, like when you work it out with my clients, it's, it's like, it's, it's an entirely different mindset that would pull in that much money per hour versus the one from before. And uh, so I'm curious, Carla, I'm curious, like, as another sister goddess has gone from the paradigm of working primarily for others, like in that paradigm to like having uh, your own creative ventures, right. And your own entrepreneurial ventures. Was there something that kind of tipped the scale for you to, to like go from like, all right, I'm working to like, now I'm going to make my app. Like what happened? Right. Uh, right. That, so like, yeah, this is probably the first podcast where I never gave my backstory first. <laughs> no, this is, well, no, I love it. And, yeah. and this is fabulous. This yeah, is fabulous. yeah. You guys are getting such a treat. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was what was happening is I was working with Microsoft, living over in London, top exec with Microsoft, and um, they. They said, I can either go back to Seattle or I can be released and, and be fired more or less and be made redundant, right? And I didn't want to go back to Seattle. And so I chose, because I just, I loved living in London. I had just met my husband. We were uh, dating then. And so I decided to stay and we decided to launch a business together. And so that was my first venture from 
per hour, how much do I make? You know, I was on a salary, but even still, like I was a consultant and everything was based per hour and, you know, like everything was hourly estimates. And, um, and then I made this leap into entrepreneurship and I was living like I still had a billion dollar company under me. And by that, I wasn't being so much wasteful. I just didn't have the mental mindset and I wasn't building that mental mindset. I didn't realize that my biggest assets will be marketing and sales. That's what I need to work on now. Mm-hmm. And I was working more on deliverability. Yep. That was the area. I, I, had, I nailed deliverability hands down. Like I am the queen of deliverability. I got that nailed. Marketing and sales was the part that I didn't have. And so my business was bleeding and I was drinking. <laughs> and binge watching and binge eating and binge avoiding everything and numbing and uh, uh, getting ulcers and uh, migraines for the first time, you know, it shows up in your health, right? So I get this, I get this email from my mom saying that a family friend had passed away, which is no big shocker because he was in hospice and whatnot. But what happened on the heels of that email was I booked a flight to go home right away. And I had been planned, it was November, and I was planning to wait till the following February to go home because my brother and his wife were expecting a baby. And I thought, well, just skip Christmas this year. I'll go right to February. And for some reason that email came through and I'm like, nope, going home. So I flew home a few weeks later for Christmas and uh, noticed that my dad was poorly. I noticed his breathing was heavy. He wasn't able to lift my bag out of the car. He was weaker, all this stuff. Like he was acting, things were weird. And he's a farmer and he just got done harvesting and harvesting is a very like arduous task. They go for 12, 14, 15 hours a day. You got farmers right now trying to get as much harvesting done every day as possible. It's some really hard labor. And so normally they are poorly afterwards. They're sick afterwards because they, they just used every ounce of their energy to get the crap out of the field. Mm. And, and so I didn't say anything because I didn't want to rock the boat being home, you know, like, let's just keep it peachy keen. I need this break, whatever. Go back to London. Don't even have my bags unpacked. And my brother calls me in the middle of the night saying that dad had passed away. And I bawled my eyes out. I mean, I had no coping mechanisms to begin with for just what life was giving me with the business, let alone, hey, my dad just died. And hey, why didn't you open up your big mouth, honey? Why didn't you say something to somebody? If you would have said something to somebody, if you would have got him into the hospital, he'd be here right now. Mm. And so I carried around this shame and guilt for months. I could not walk out of the house without crying. My, like getting groceries, I'd ball in the cookie aisle, get my hair cut, I'd cry in the chair, get like, I could not stop crying. One time it was so bad. I was in, I had a little Honda Civic and I was driving down the motorway, the M4, going as fast as I could, just wishing that it would flip head over. Just let's stop, stop that noise in my head. Mm-hmm. And cause it would go 24 seven, even, but I still was running. I'd go out to pub and have a good laugh with people, you know, like nobody knew I was depressed. Mm-hmm. And my husband said, well, look, we need to do something because uh, you're struggling here in London. Let's get you back to the U S. And I was like, do you know how hard I work 
to get here. I had lived in my car. I have like worked in situations that were horrible. I walked dogs, babysat, whatever to just get here. I am not going to put my tail between my legs and head back to the U.S. But I also didn't trust my own judgment because wasn't it my choice not to say anything that killed my dad? Mm. I have very poor judgment right now. Let's not even, I don't trust my intuition or my judgment. And so we go back to the U.S., it gets worse, I end up in the hospital with double pneumonia. I'm like pushing almost 200 pounds because wow. eating all the time, driving everywhere, you know, eating healthy food like sun chips, supersized, <laughs> you know, and, um, and the doctor says like, here's something for your pneumonia and you better get something done about your depression. And that was the first time somebody said depression to me. Mm. Wait, who, who are you talking to? Me? That's it. I don't have depression. I'm fine. I've got a job. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a husband. I'm, I'm good. And, but it was a wake up call. So I went home and I did what every person does when they have a wake up call. They get on Google and they look for the answer. <laughs> So I'm Googling depression cures and um, come across this article about like this mom who lost a child, a soldier who lost limbs or home, people who have lost their jobs, you know, people who have had way bigger losses than me who have come back around and survived. And the one thing they did was they focused on what was good in their life and it wasn't called a gratitude journal or anything like that. And the secret was just coming out. It was just surfacing. And Oprah was talking about gratitude journals. And I thought, I'm just going to write some things down that were good. And so I started with that and I did it every day. And I was out for a walk about two months later. So it's getting warm out. And I'm going through things that I want to put in my journal later because I didn't want to be like a blank slate when I go to write. So I'm like, okay, what can I write in my journal? I got a job offer from NASA. I lost some weight. I'm sleeping good. I, my relationships are better. I haven't cried since I don't know when. And I'm like, wait a minute. My life did a 180 from just a couple months ago when I was in the hospital room. What did I do? What was the silver bullet? And when I put the two and two together, that it was that gratitude journal, I'm like, I got to make an app for this. And Voila. Yeah. And that, that creating an app was a whole nother wild roller coaster ride, but it came out. And I thought when I, when I said, I'm creating an app for this, I thought of like, if this saves one woman from driving 180 miles down a motorway, trying to kill herself, it's worth everything, mm. every little blood, sweat and tears. And I released it and I put it out there with my story and of course the media loved it because here's this woman who this saved her life. It can help you. And it came with a lot of mockery too. And people are, you know, I, I put in two entries and my life is still the same, <laughs> which I'd love to talk to you about how gratitude really works, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's fine. Yay. Oh, so Wow. And thank you, dad. Mm, right? Right now, I, I'm so grateful that you brought that up because how can you view any situation? If my dad hadn't had his untimely death, 
you and I wouldn't be talking. Yeah. I wouldn't have touched hundreds of thousands of lives. I had to have that, that happen in my life to pull that sword out of the stone and start using it to find my own power and put it out there. We're capable of so much more than we realize, so much more. Mm -hmm. This is a power of a woman that when her heart is wounded, she's activated to love mm. in a big way, like just such a deep heart wound. And to get to convert that much pain into so much healing, like I feel that this is this is what women do naturally. I'm not discounting my men. I love you from the bottom of my heart. I work with so many men who have this wonderful divine feminine quality as well. For for us as women, there's this thing of like when I am in a great and deep pain one of the things that can help me open that into a new paradigm, like take me into another level of healing is to, to reach out and connect. Women are naturally tribal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just honoring and celebrating and seeing this in you, Carla, how you took like such a great pain and decided to create to create and that creation, right? You seeking out, reaching out, even with the Googling. Thank <laughs> you, Google, by the way, too. Like this reaching out and so I'm going to, I want to investigate this pain. I'm here to learn like what the heck is depression and going in, yes, like developing the relationship with the pain rather than just smashing it. Yeah. And from there, this creation coming forward. Like, thank you, Dad, for being the trigger to open your heart in such a powerful way. I mean, it's just, yeah. I'm, I am in awe and so very, very grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, our natural state is abundance, joy. We are taught lack. I mean, as children, when we come into this world as beautiful babies, we know we have two fears. One is the fear of falling and the other is fear of abandonment. We aren't afraid of arms, the number one industry, pharmaceuticals, the number two industry, and alcohol and tobacco, number three industry. Those three industries, the top three industries, they need you to believe in fear and lack in order for them to survive. Mm. Mm. And the biggest rebellious thing you can do is to focus on abundance, to keep focus on a gratitude practice. And we're not talking like a five minute journal, or I've even seen a one minute gratitude journal. Okay, one minute's better than zero, but like <laughs> gratitude throughout your whole day. And let's just not even call it gratitude because gratitude has this idea that you had to overcome something to receive it. I'm so grateful that it's here. Oh, thank goodness. But if you look at it from appreciation, it was there all along. Thank you. I'll have some of that. That fits very nicely with what I need in life right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then what happens is you alter your expectations. You alter your expectations to be more aligned with what you want. And you will go through trouble and periods and not react and fall down because 
like when I work with millionaires and when I work with people who aren't millionaires, probably the only difference is the millionaires mess up just as much. No, they mess up more. They mess up more. They just don't stay down. Mm-hmm. Like in their wounds, they get up and they go, get up and go, get up and go. And that's what they do. Whereas the ones who don't, they linger and berate themselves and wonder, what did I do wrong? And, oh, I messed up here and there. Just go. Like we have an attention span of a fish. Nobody even noticed that you messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Only you. (laughs) It's so true. Oh, my goodness. So, like, with with that, okay, so the – the theory, the theory, the philosophy is so solid. I like, I cannot, I have to, I have to put my woman's stake down and say, like, how brilliant is it that the first woman to make an app is going to make it about gratitude? Like, I'm here to improve yeah. quality. And not a fart app. Yeah. <laughs> not a fart <laughs> app. Not one that makes, like, shouting ridiculous sounds or one that, like, is just, no. Something that's like, I'm going to improve your quality of life. Like, thank you. It's like, oh, I think I smell a woman in the house. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And along this path, like, okay, along this path of you sharing your your work and also um, I can only imagine how much um, of an emotional roller coaster that must have been given what, like, was the fuel behind the application. Mm. Um, with your dad passing all of that like were there times where you wanted to throw in the towel like how did you not go backwards like how did you not go back like what tell me because there's people listening in right now as journeypreneurs who um are how do you say oscillating between those two mindsets of like the one that you're saying of the millionaires they fall and they just go and they fall and they just go yeah. and the other one of like they fall and they wallow and story tell and linger yeah. or even um, flirt with going back or even do go backward like how did you how did you continue forward I'm curious yeah so I messed up a ton um Yay. some of my biggest mess ups were because I listened to people the wrong the wrong advice um, that's usually the number one thing that caused me to mess up. And then when I, so I was getting advice from people who I shouldn't have been getting advice from. And then that advice didn't work out and I didn't have a support group to put catapult me forward. So, um, since you and I are together because we're in the same group, we're in a mastermind together. And I tell you, masterminds are one of the best things because people are like waking up in the morning and they're, they know what you're going through, whether it's a business mastermind or a self-development mastermind, find those people because the people in your life, your husband, your spouse, your partner, your kids, your mom, they, their job isn't to support you in your entrepreneurial journey. Their job they got their own job. This is different. You need people who understand what you're going through. And that's not their job to understand what you're going through. So my husband seldom asked me about my business. It used to drive me nuts. And now I'm kind of glad. Because it would take a lot to explain everything that's going on. Yeah. So, and I have other people who they get it, they get it. And when I go backwards or I mess up, I can 
share it with them. There's no judgment. They see it just from a, from a very business analytical mind from a, a, okay, you did this, turn here, pivot here, try this. And they, it's not like, oh, okay, your message was wrong. You were attracting the wrong audience. Yeah. Your, your price point was wrong. Oh, you know, it's much more methodical. But yet, when I was making the mistakes in the past, I wasn't, I was like, oh, how could I be so stupid to listen to that person? And why did I let my guard down? And why did I believe them? And why did I try this? And now I failed here and I'm never going to get it back. And you know what was weird is, oh, I never shared this before. I went to a shaman. So I had a shaman. I love it. A friend. Uh, well, a friend of mine, because I was looking for answers anywhere everything. I mean, I tried everything. And uh, I went to a shaman friend and he did some crazy stuff with me, raising my arm up and down, asking me questions. And then he told me to close my business. Yeah. Now, I don't think he was a real shaman for one thing. Ooh. Yeah. I think that it was all snake oil, but he told me to go home, draw the circle of life or the flower of life. I don't know if you know those circles that yep. make the flower of life. Yeah. He told me to go home, draw that and work on closing my business. Okay. So I listened to him and I was going to close my business. I was like in the process of like winding it all down. Mm. And I think it was, a yeah, it was at that time that a woman got my book. Um, and my book is Idea to iPhone. It's about making apps. And she said, this would be a really good lead magnet for a funnel. And I said, oh, thank you. What's a lead magnet and what's a funnel? Oh, and God. I had no idea because I was like spent the last nine years in the app world learning about, you know, all different things, not this other online marketing world. And so she gave me a whole bunch of videos, which I thought he was like 12. You know, Russell Brunson. <laughs> yeah. like, oh my gosh, this 12 year old's teaching me all this stuff. And my mind was blown up because it was like create your mass movement, create your tribe. And I had people who had gotten my app that were like, okay, now what? Give me more. Give me something else. And I didn't, I'm like, oh, well, what do you want? Another app? I don't know. T shirt? Yeah. I'll get you a t shirt. And, <laughs> you know, they weren't looking for that, they were looking for community. They were looking for more guidance. And now I've built out those programs thanks to joining these masterminds, understanding about marketing, understanding about sales. I mean, it's, am I answering the question? I don't know. Well, like, <laughs> this is so good. You're answering the question because the question was, what caused you to keep moving oh, forward? Yeah, yeah. That support. I love you. I got your back, goddess. No way. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it, so so one, make sure you get advice from the right people. Two, make sure you have the right company around you. Um, you and I were both at the same event where this beautiful woman explained that you have your entrepreneurs in one hand and your family in the other hand mm -hmm. and realize that, you know, when, when you need a kick in the butt and keep going and to get up again, that's not your family. That's going to give you that kick in the butt. It's your entrepreneur friends. Your family has a different role. 
and that brought such clarity in my like that that leaves your family off a hook that leaves your friends who could care less off the hook mm -hmm. they don't want to hear about it mm -hmm. that's fine but find the tribe that does there are people who want to hear about it i'm raising my hand i love you know you and i could probably spend another five hours talking you know that amen oh, i think we have <laughs> <laughs> didn't we yes we've done that before <laughs> Yeah, and I love it. Oh my goddess. By the way, y'all can't see on camera. She is the biggest water jug on the face of the planet. Oh my gosh. I'm like, wow, look at that guy. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. The way you are. And here's the thing. Like, ah, oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. I know you, Carla. Like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So here's here's what it is. I want to make sure that we get to celebrate you that all of our people gets to go and like if it's your your app or the what was next after the app your book and all this like, where are we getting to go to celebrate you because there's so many nuggets of wisdom that you drop this is only like a drop in the bucket compared to mm -hmm. not cooking mm -hmm. the thing. mamas to tell us where are we go in to celebrate if you want to get my app it's my gratitude journal or no the gratitude app Dot com. That's a gratitude journal. You can go there and um, you can go to my website, carlawhite.org, Carla with the C. Or I just launched a podcast this week because, uh, you know, you just discovered I love to talk uh, about all this stuff. So um, go check out my podcast. It's called Radical Shift. You can go to Radical Shift Podcast and let's carry on the conversation. I love this stuff. Yay! I love it. I love it. I can't wait to subscribe. I've seen some of the snippets that you've been sharing on Facebook. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. Oh my God. So we may have to do this again. We may have to do this again because I like, oh my gosh, I just love you. Um, yeah. And you're such a wealth of information and inspiration. Oh, it goes both ways, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I'm going to turn it over now to our listeners. By the way, if this is the first time you're here on the Journeypreneur podcast, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you're listening in on, right? Or if you're catching one of these on YouTube, uh, one of the audio files up there. Thank you so much for listening in. Make sure that you go on iTunes and leave that five-star review. And in the chat box, the comment box there, let us know, episode 90, what was your favorite takeaway from our conversation with Carla and like oh my gosh our love bombs all over our women like just this wonderful women ride time that we had together yes amen so go ahead I love reading everyone's stories and when you do you leave that five-star review in your comment it helps me reach more journeypreneurs out there so that we can spread all of this love so thank you for everyone who has shared their stories I love seeing like what you have to say the things that are dropping and it helps me better serve you and serve our tribe so that's it for today's podcast episode and as always I end with this thank you so much Mwah. Please enjoy the journey. Do not lose your glow as you grow in life and business. And we'll see you in the next podcast episode. Bye for now.